1: Trying to find one in there, and he's still on his feet. He's got the first down of the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. He's
0: gone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. Ooh, what's good? This is the Big Ben Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore day. If you couldn't tell, I'm like bouncing off the walls right now, which is not something that I normally do like ever, but I'm actually really looking forward to this weekend's matchup. We got the Washington football team versus the Cleveland Browns, and for some reason I'm like oddly excited, like more excited than I thought I would be, which is weird, but I'm also not, I'm not angry about it. As always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed. And if you're not a member of the site, go ahead and do that. I'll tell you why I'm excited about this. And this is almost like kind of weird. Maybe this isn't the best best way to judge like real excitement. But I hopped on with a Browns podcast earlier in the week. Great dudes. uh, The Dogs of War podcast. Dogs spelled like D-A-W-G. Real great dudes, had a good time, great conversation. I think we were, I was on with them for like 30, 45 minutes, so some, something like that. A lot longer than I anticipated, but it was a real good time, so if you're into that sort of thing, go check it out. We had a lot of fun. But I was talking to them throughout the course of doing that podcast, and I thought they were going to be significantly more excited than I was because I thought that they were going to think that their team was just going to kind of beat us around the bush. But they're in a very similar situation, the Browns are, to what our organization is facing, which is that you've seen two completely different sides of the team throughout the first two weeks of the NFL season because the Browns got absolutely eviscerated. I mean, just they got the brakes beaten off of them by Baltimore in week one, and then they were able to get the win against Cincinnati. It probably should have been a lot bigger of a score margin than it actually was, but Joe Burrow started to kind of pick that defense apart a little bit And the Cleveland Browns' defense allowed a lot of points. But I look at that first matchup in particular. Because what I know about the Ravens... Well, I know a lot about the Ravens. They're my Super Bowl pick. But what I know for sure about the Ravens is that their defense is very, very good. But their front four is not as good as our front four. So the Ravens' defense eviscerated the Browns. But I think our front four is better and can get more pressure on Baker... Which is why I am very, very excited. We got a couple things to dive into in this week's preview podcast. No guests, so it's just me. I tried to get, I tried to rally up a couple guests and just kind of uh, swung and miss, which is something that happens in this industry. It happens a lot more than I would like to admit it, to be completely honest. But I swung and missed with some of the guys on the Browns SB Nation uh, site. So it's just going to be me. Uh, there's a couple things I want to get into. We will get, we will touch on. Uh, a lot of the offensive stuff. But I have a very interesting stat. And I use the word interesting because it's not like a super great stat for our organization. It's fantastic if your name is Odo Beckham Jr. But since he is not a member of our organization, it's not a great statistic for us. So over the course, I mean, we have like traditional, I guess now Washington football team killers, right? Like every tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles seems to always have really good games against us. But over the course of, say, Since 2014, if I just had to pick a year out of a hat, uh, no one has killed the Washington football team defense more than Odell Beckham Jr. He's played six games against our organization, and in five of them, he has either gone for over 100 yards or caught a touchdown. So there's been one time where he has not gone over 100 yards and not caught a touchdown it was in 2016 where the Giants defeated us 19-10. to We went 8-7-1 and that year. The Giants were 11-5. and Kirk Cousins threw a back-breaking interception and then fumbled. And they picked up and, and scooped and scored for the final, uh, I think, as the clock hit zero in that game. So we had a chance to make the postseason. We didn't make the postseason. The Giants were actually good that year, which is a first in a very, very long time. And it probably will be the first for a long time to come because their offense is completely battered and bruised, which is fine. I love that. Um, but that was the only time that Odo Beckham Jr. has played our organization and not gone for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Listen to these statistics. Through six games against us, 48 receptions, 665 yards, and five touchdowns. I'm going to read that to you one more time just to prove a point here. 48 receptions, 665 yards, and five touchdowns. Now, after hearing those twice, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I would give up my left limb, my left limb, if our wide receiver two, whoever that ends up being at the completion of the season, I would give my left limb if our wide receiver two put that stat line together through 16 games. And that's what Odo Beckham Jr. has done to us in six It is not fair how good that guy is at playing the wide receiver position. And don't get fooled by some of these national media talking heads who for like the last year and a half have been on this Odell Beckham Jr. hate train. He is still very much one of the best wide receivers in football. Especially now that for the first time in roughly about, I mean, who really who knows how long. I mean, I guess only he really knows. But for the first time in a very, very long time, he is actually healthy. He is going to be a problem on Sunday. Now, the one thing that I'm kind of leaning on and banking on is that a lot of his great performances, not all of them, but most of them, came against Josh Norman. And we know they had some history. There was a rivalry there. Those two guys did not like each other. Towards the end of Norman's time here, they kind of tried to play it off a little bit. But look, when you watch two guys go at it during a real football game and one of them torpedo spears another one, like that just doesn't go away over time. Like you're always going to remember something like that uh, because torpedo spearing another human being is very, very dangerous. So they always had some sort of thing going on. Josh Norman is is not here anymore. So maybe Odell Beckham Jr. is not as up for this game as he has been in the past. And the benefit for us is that I think Fingers crossed. I thought this was going to happen last week. It didn't. But fingers crossed it happens this week. I think Kendall Fuller is playing. I think. It's Thursday. I have no idea for sure. But I think that Kendall Fuller is going to play. And so far through two games, I don't think our secondary has been all that bad. Obviously, they're not the talking point of our defense. Because that belongs to the front four and those monsters up there. But I think our secondary has played relatively well. A couple lapses every now and then. You had the Landon Collins just completely giving up on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Troy Apke had a not-so-great play in the Arizona Cardinal game. But other than that, other than a few other like deep balls, and deep balls are going to happen. I mean, look, we don't have the Legion of Boom in our secondary. We are going to give up some deep plays every now and then. But I don't think our secondary has been very bad, per se. I think they've actually been pretty solid. They held DeAndre Hopkins under 100 yards. They held DeAndre Hopkins... Under nearly under 100 yards of what he put up against San Francisco. I think it was ni- he was 90 yards short of his, his total yardage against San Francisco when he played us. So that has me feeling a little, little good about this defense. But I just still know that Odo Beckham Jr. is one of the top wide receivers in the game. If you did not watch the Bengals matchup last week, he put a sickening, and I mean a sickening, Double move on, I think it was William Jackson of the Bengals. The name of the cornerback doesn't really matter. The move was disgusting. So, Odell Beckham Jr. still has it. Uh, if there's like one key that we have to do on defense, we have to stop that guy. Because Odo Beckham Jr. Is, is very much still that dude. Other things we got to do on the defense. We'll, we're just going to stick with the defense here. We have to, uh, if we have to stop Oda Beckham Jr., we should also make a conscious effort to stop Nick Chubb. Those are the two weapons uh, that I'm most afraid of. Austin Hooper is a close third, just seeing how we handle the tight ends against Philadelphia. So that does worry me a little bit. But it's really Oda Beckham Jr. and Nick Chubb in my mind, because Nick Chubb is an absolute stud. Bars. He is really, really good. And Cleveland utilizes him really, really well. So that does frighten me a, a little bit. Now, I'm not exactly afraid of him running completely wild on us. I just don't think that's realistic. I mean, what Kyler Murray did running the football is very, very different than a running back running the football, right? Because it's just a completely different position, and you prepare for a running quarterback a lot different than you could prepare for stopping the run game of an actual running back. So I think that does lend a us a bit of a favor there I think it'll be a lot easier to stop Nick Chubb because we can game plan uh, for this style of running but he's a guy that doesn't stop his legs until he's actually on the ground and I feel like that's almost become a little bit of a rare trait uh, along with today's running backs I mean Marshawn Lynch used to do it really well Uh, I think Derrick Henry is a guy that still does it really well and then Nick Chubb is right in that conversation of guys with just monster legs and they just do not stop moving until they are actually on the ground so it's going to be very crucial to actually get him on the ground. But I have been pleased with our run defense so far. So I'm excited to see how we handle that. I know in the past we've done a really good job with with certain backs on being able to contain them when they've been having monster seasons. We've had a couple of really good games against Ezekiel Elliott that I've been proud of. Of our defense. So hopefully that kind of we see that version, that style, right? Uh the defense that's able to to corral Nick Chubb early and not let him one break a ton of tackles and really just not let him get to the second level of the defense. Because if you keep him in the first level of that defense, good things are gonna happen. Because Baker Mayfield, we know, is nowhere near as elusive as Kyler Murray is. Very few people are anywhere near as elusive as Kyler Murray is, but Baker Mayfield certainly is not. We have all seen the video. We have all heard the stories of him getting chased by a police officer, which is not exactly something uh, that should have happened because the police officer, not exactly like the most athletic dude in the world, right? Like this is an Olympian that became a police officer. This was just a like an Oklahoma cop. And he can't get away from that. So how is he going to get away from Chase Young? Spoiler alert. He's not. And I'm excited about that. And now it's time to get a little petty, right? Because how many times do we have the conversation this offseason about wanting to trade Trent Williams? Frequently. We've been having it for a better part of a year and a half until it actually happened on, what was it, day three of the draft? Well, one of the teams that was always mentioned in that conversation was the Cleveland Browns. And part of this is Bruce Allen's doing because Bruce Allen sucks. But part of this is just the Cleveland Browns did not want to give up a first-round pick for Trent Williams. Instead, they drafted Jedrick Willis. And that's who's playing for them now. So it's time to get Petty and line up Chase Young right over Jedrick Willis. Say, hey, Cleveland... Remember when you didn't want to give us a first-round pick for that All-Pro left tackle, who through two games has looked pretty solid with San Francisco? I mean, he's—I mean, Trent Williams is just straight up mauling human beings over there, which is like kind of nice to see, but also sucks. It's like watching Jordan Reed catch touchdown passes. You're like, wow, I'm like happy for Jordan Reed the person, but wow, we could really use a tight end over here. That aside, hey Cleveland, remember when you drafted Jedrick Willis instead of trading us? For Trent Williams. We're going to put Chase Young right over top of this dude. And we're going to let Chase Young. Eat that man's soul. Right out of his body. That's what I want to see on defense. I want to see Jedrick Willis. Just get bullied. By our defensive line. Obviously I want Chase Young to do. A good portion of the bullying. Just for that petty connection there. But I just want to see everybody. Everybody. Bully him. If Montez Sweat wants to go have a round and bully Jedrick Willis, I'm all for it. You want to put Kerrigan over there? I am all for it. I just want to see that dude get bullied. Now the Cincinnati Bengals did not do a great job of attacking Baker Mayfield and getting pressure on him, but our defense is a lot better than the Cincinnati Bengals. Boston or not Boston. Baltimore got to Baker Mayfield twice. I think there's a realistic shot. We got to Kyler Murray three times, and Kyler Murray is much more elusive. So I think there's a realistic shot. We can double what Baltimore did against Baker Mayfield, and we can get to do it at least four times. And I do think, for the record, I do think Chase Young gets some sort of mark in the sack column. Maybe it's just half a sack, but I do think Chase Young gets some sort of mark in the sack column, which would make it three consecutive games, in three consecutive goes as a pro that Chase Young records some form of sack. I'm not 100% buying into the he's back in Ohio hype. I know that's a bit of a thing. Like, oh, he's making his return to Ohio. Of course, he was a great player at Ohio State. I'm not 100% buying directly into that sort of thing. But, I mean, if it helps, it helps. Like, I'll, I'll take it. Same goes for Dwayne Haskins. If him being back in the state where he played college football is going to help motivate him, I will. you will not hear a complaint from me about that. I, I am all for it. But I do just want Chase Young to bully Jedrick Willis. Just to stick it to Cleveland. Should have given us that first-round pick. I don't know who or what we would have used it on. Maybe it would have been Jedrick Willis for us. That does not matter now. I just want to see that dude get bullied on a Sunday by our defensive line. All right, let's transition to the offense. Whoa, check that out. Gridiron swoosh. Your boy's really producing today. I told you, I'm hype. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, There's a couple things I want to get to on the offensive side of the football. We will get to the play calling. And Dwayne Haskins actually said something in his press conference this week. I think it was actually, it might have been Wednesday that he said, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, that I do want to play for you. It's really great sound, but I want to start with handling Miles Garrett, because I think that should be priority number one for our offense. On last week's preview pod against the Cardinals, one of the things I stressed is that we need to do a really good job handling Chandler Jones. And I think for the most part, we did a really solid job. I mean, yes, Wendy gets sacked, and Chandler Jones did recover a fumble, but other than the, the fumble recovery, Chandler Jones did not appear on the stat sheet. No tackles, no sacks his presence still felt yes but not hugely not anywhere near what i was afraid of happening so i was pleased with that despite the fact that our offensive line not spectacular but miles garrett is a bit of a different animal he's a machine hits people with helmets that's low hanging fruit i know but like we're all thinking that right i mean when you hear the name miles garrett like you see the play i mean you just do Right, We're not even a full year removed from it. You you see the play. I see the play. We all see the play. So we just have to acknowledge that. I don't think it's going to happen again. Certainly not to our quarterback. I will be furious if it does. But I don't think that's going to happen. But Miles Garrett is good. And I mentioned that play because he is the second highest paid defensive player on yearly average. In spite of that play. Like the Browns saw that play happen. They lost him for the remainder of the season after that play happened and then they still decided to make him the second highest defensive paid player in terms of yearly average ever and at the time when he actually got paid he was first and then Joey Bosa topped him that's how good the guy is and it was a it was the smart move for Cleveland like it was the right decision to make you had to keep Miles Garrett he is he is a complete and utter wrecking ball on the defensive line he's the best player you have on defense We have to stop him. And we just lost Brandon Sheriff. Not that Sheriff was going to line up against Miles Garrett, but that's just more to emphasize how depleted our offensive line is. I don't think Sadiq Charles is going to play. I don't even know what to expect from him whenever he ends up suiting up, though. I mean, he's a rookie. We haven't seen him. We didn't get to see him in the preseason. So if and when Charles ever does suit up, to play left tackle for us or right tackle or wherever we put him just based on the need. I don't really know what to expect, but we have to do something to handle Miles Garrett because I would prefer, similarly to how I felt last week about Chandler Jones, I would prefer for Miles Garrett not to come anywhere near Dwayne Haskins. I don't want those dudes to know each other at all. If Miles Garrett's uniform stays clean because he never actually touches the ground, I'm okay with that. Unless he touches the ground because we like lay him out with a block. But I, I'm trying to be realistic here. We have to handle Miles Garrett. I don't want him anywhere near Dwayne Haskins. I don't want to repeat the helmet fiasco with our quarterback. Like, I don't want any of that. Not that that would happen with Dwayne Haskins because Mason Rudolph, quite frankly, might have deserved it. Not 100% sure, but every time I watch that video, because I've watched it a lot, hundreds of times to be quite honest, every time I watch the video, it does make me laugh a little bit. That aside, we have to stop Miles Garrett. And I think a lot of that is going to fall a bit on the play calling. Uh, I think our play calling has to be a lot better than what it was against Arizona, and really against Philadelphia for that matter. We have to get Dwayne Haskins in a rhythm quicker. We need to get him comfortable quicker. Because in the second half of games, when he's comfortable, when they're running the no huddle, he looks like a much different quarterback. He looks like a much more comfortable quarterback. And you can pull this, well, you know, Arizona kind of laid off a little bit in the second half. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. I mean, they they started playing a little bit more zone. Like, I feel you there. But he still looked better. And the play calling was still more suited to what he likes. And this is where we'll get to the audio that I want to play for you. Because I thought this was a fantastic answer from Dwayne Haskins when he's talking about the speed of the game and his comfortability in the no huddle. So here's what Dwayne Haskins said in a press conference earlier this week.
1: I mean, I feel comfortable with uh, whatever we're doing, but I, I think when you're in a game where you're trying to, you know, get the ball going and moving the ball on the field and, and create creates some um, momentum, uh, sometimes you need to be able to go to that stuff. And I feel I'm very comfortable uh, in, a you know, no huddle tempo offense and uh, this, you know, getting guys to, you know, sometimes you get caught up in huddling and calling plays. Guys walk to line of scrimmage, the presence is the same, or guys are trying to figure out where am I going uh, on a longer play call. But when you just, no huddle, you just get the guys on the ball. It's a right or left call as far as where the formation is. And then it's three or four words you say for the, during the protection play or whatever the case or scenario may be where the guys aren't thinking as much. I feel like when you have a whole bunch of young players still trying to master an offense, we're trying to make it as simple as possible where guys aren't taking too long the process and thinking because when you think you play slower. And I feel like I've got to our understanding now where I'm playing faster and trying to get the guys to play the same speed that I'm playing at.
0: Whether you love or hate Dwayne Haskins, I, of course, big Dwayne Haskins guy. But whether you love or hate Dwayne Haskins, I don't know how you could hate that answer. That's a great that's a great answer from, from our quarterback. It shows that he is learning mentally, right? And we've heard this week since the Arizona game that one thing he needs to do is to slow down a little bit in terms of actual play speed, which is not something you're going to hear often. It's almost kind of weird to hear, like, hey, play slower. Like, hey, quarterback, play the game slower, buddy. That's kind of weird, but I do understand. I mean, it's not hard to understand what they're getting at. And with Dwayne recognizing that, it is a fixable issue. Like, it's not this weird thing that we just have to throw it all away because he won't be able to get over this. It's a very fixable issue to just slow down because You have to remember, and I'm going to stress this until your ears are bleeding, quite frankly. I don't care how annoying I get with this. He hasn't even played a full 16 games in the NFL. Yes, he's a second-year quarterback, technically. But he's only played 11 games. This Sunday will be his 12th. It'll be his 10th game that he actually starts as a quarterback. So from an actual game rep perspective, he is still a rookie quarterback. So as he continues to slow down a little bit, I think we'll we'll see the accuracy get better. I think we'll see the decision making get better. Although through two games his decision making hasn't been bad. He's made a, he's missed a couple uh, situations and scenarios that you would have said, "Oh, you know, it would have been nice if he did this instead of that." The accuracy has been a bit of an issue, but he hasn't been playing bad and all of those things are fixable. Right? So That is something that gives me a little bit of comfort when it comes to what I'm seeing on offense. Look, our wide receivers, other than Terry McLaurin, are still not good. And unfortunately, I'm not a genie. You're not a genie. This is not Harry Potter. I can't just wave a wand and make everyone other than Terry McLaurin a good wide receiver and a good pass catcher. Like That's not how this works. I wish it was. If it was, I would have done that two weeks ago. But I think that Dwayne is getting better. He's getting more confident. He's getting more comfortable. And if he says, I'm comfortable in the no huddle, I have absolutely no issue with us just going straight no huddle right out of the gates. Like, yeah, call the first down play. Once we get the ball for the first time, have that ready to go. But after that, straight no huddle. There's no issues on my end with that. If that's what makes the quarterback comfortable, do it. Because once he gets comfortable, I think good things are going to happen offensively. It'll keep the defense on the toes for the Browns. And the Browns, by the way, their defense, other than two players, not exceptionally frightening. Miles Garrett is scary. Denzel Ward is is scary. We'll get to him in just a second. But other than that, that defense is not frightening at all. Their linebacking group, not exactly spectacular. Their safeties, not exactly spectacular. As much as I don't want the primary target of the football game to be Logan Thomas, who has uh, way more targets than he should just through two weeks. I am I think I said that on last week's, on the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals recap podcast. I'll say that again. Logan Thomas has way too many targets for two weeks of football. But this is a game that it just so happens they don't do good covering the tight ends, which means we should probably target Logan Thomas a little bit more. I don't think he should have anywhere near as many targets as Terry McLaurin unless Logan Thomas is just absolutely eating. And if that's the case, feed the beast. But because I don't foresee Logan Thomas having a Jordan Reed type game where Jordan Reed can pop off for 140 plus yards and two touchdowns, that doesn't seem realistic yet at this point in Logan Thomas's career or at any point in Logan Thomas' career, just being realistic here. But if Logan Thomas is having some success, throw the damn ball to Logan Thomas. Like I'm, I'm not against that. I just think Terry should get a majority of those looks. But it just so happens that the Browns' defense does pour against the tight end, so we have to capitalize on that. Skinny posts up the middle, you know, deep ends, whatever the case is. Dwayne deliver the ball to Logan Thomas, and then if you're Logan Thomas, catch the football. We had way too many drops last week. Way too many drops you got to help your young quarterback out, and it's not just a Logan Thomas thing. That's kind of like an everyone thing. If the ball hits you in the hands, catch the football. But yes, I want to see no huddle, and I want to see no huddle early. All right, let's get into what I think is going to be my favorite matchup of the week. Second consecutive week, really third consecutive week, our wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin, Going up against a really good cornerback. And we're going to see another one next week too. With the Ravens coming up. Not looking forward to that game. But that aside. Terry McLaurin versus Denzel Ward. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun matchup. Denzel Ward is a fantastic young cornerback. Other than Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if anyone was as happy. About Jalen Ramsey's contract extension. As Denzel Ward. Because at some point, he's probably going to benefit from it. Some point in the very near future, I should add. Denzel Ward is that good. And he locked down, locked down A.J. Green for Cincinnati. Now, A.J. Green is not anywhere near what he once was. So let me just get that out of the way. I think Terry McLaurin now is better than A.J. Green now. Now, A.J. Green in his prime, bit of a different story. If Terry McLaurin can get to A.J. Green in his prime, we got a guy. I mean, we already have a guy. I mean, Terry Terry McLaurin is already a dude. So don't get me twisted there. But if he can get to what A.J. Green was in his prime, that's going to be a whole lot of fun. But Denzel Ward did a really good job with A.J. Green. But I said this last week, previewing Terry McLaurin versus Patrick Peterson, and I'll say it again, especially considering the results of what we got with the Terry McLaurin versus Patrick Peterson matchup, which was Terry McLaurin dominating Patrick Peterson, 125 yards, a touchdown for Terry? Hell yes. We have not seen a cornerback shut down Terry McLaurin yet. The only thing that has gotten in the way of Terry McLaurin just blistering defenses is our own ineptitudes as a team. Other than that, Terry McLaurin eats every single week, and I'm not anticipating this to be different. But I'm just looking at this matchup from a vacuum and trying to kind of uh, push away my biases as a fan. And I love the the idea of a great young receiver versus a great young cornerback. I love watching these skilled position guys just go at it. So I'm looking forward to that. Do I think Terry McLaurin gets the better of Denzel Ward? You're damn right. But it will be a fun matchup, nonetheless. All right, one final bold prediction. And I'm using air quotes when I say the word bold here. But one final bold prediction. I think Chase Young has more sacks than Miles Garrett in this game. Take that however you will. I'm not going to put a number on that. But I think when we wake up Monday morning... Or at like four twenty five when the game ends, and you check the box score, Terry McLaur or not Terry McLaurin, Chase Young's sack number is going to be bigger than that of Miles Garrett, and that's that's my quote unquote bold prediction. As far as the actual prediction, I think we win. I don't know what exactly this Browns team actually is. I don't know if they are more the team that we saw against Cincinnati, or if they are more the team we saw against Baltimore. When I jumped on the Browns podcast earlier in the week, they said it was somewhere in the middle. Well, I have no idea what that means. Because of that, I'm taking us to win. I'm taking us to win. I'm taking us to beat the Cleveland Browns. I think it will be close. I will stay consistent with my prediction from when I actually did their podcast. Again, the the dogs of war. It was a great time, great dudes. I said 28-7. to I'm sticking with that. I think the offense does a much better job. Uh, I think Dwayne Haskins again goes over 200 plus yards, which I think is something that we need to see on a more consistent basis. And I think the offense scores points like real points, like a touchdown before the third quarter. Like we actually put points on. Like, funny how that works, right? Like good things happen when we put points on the board early. I think that happens. So I think we get the Browns 28 to seven. I'd love to know your predictions at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. You can let me know down below in the comments section as well. Who you got winning? and why let me know until then i'll see you after the game for the recap pod this has been the big podcast